Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Our learning is on. It is I, Van Lathan Jr. And it's me, Rachel Van Lindsay. Rachel, I'm about to stop. I'm about to set a rule. I'm, I'm very... I'm almost at the point of setting a rule saying that I will not receive any email, not emails, any DMs from Thought Warriors anymore. What's going on in your DMs? So, You're, you keep responding to people. Well, what happens is, is I don't I don't check the Reddit anymore. So I think people, they really got used to being able to say something to me. And so since I don't go there don't go on there anymore. They just like DM me whenever they have a problem and I read the DMs. And Especially what's the now. Problem? Well, there's two problems. Number one, people are one person made fun of how I dress. They said I'm wearing too much card heart stuff. Mm-hmm. Who uh, are you? Was, this is just a joke. That was that was actually oh, funny. Was but like, the, the person that sent that to my Twitter, like, yeah, actually very funny. That. It's like very but I wear a lot of car heart stuff because it fits, you know, this when it fits the big man good. So I wear, I have a lot of different stuff. You know, I go through my closet. I try to try on, like, I have this funny game that I do. I try to try on stuff from before I gain weight. And it's fucking hysterical. It's very Van, funny. Nobody's, it's not funny. Stop. Whatever. Nobody's it's funny to me, okay? But Vivance has got me. Boom! Let me tell you something about Vivance. I'm not, Donnie, we need to have like a, um, a disclaimer that says I'm not, Anyway, reps by Big Pharma. I'm not endorsing anything. Okay. Were people mad about I that? I swear too? the God. No, no one brought that up. Uh-huh. I swear to God, I'm not endorsing anything. I'm not telling anyone to take anything. Yeah. But there's something that's happening to me where it's suppressing my appetite as well. I'm just these these last couple of days have been just a cornucopia of getting shit done. It's so weird. I went through my phone and mm-hmm. saved all the phone numbers in my phone of people who I hadn't saved their numbers. Okay, that's another level of focus. And you wonder Fight why dance. and you wonder why this is hot on the streets. It's hot on the streets. What? Oh, <laughs> th- this is this is hot on the streets. I didn't know. Oh yeah, they told me. They told me that, but I don't yeah, I've never heard like, of anybody. This is... Oh yeah, they, they, they're doing it. They're getting into it. Did you have a did you have an Adderall did you have an Adderall phase in college? Did we talk about this? I feel like we talked about no, it. No, I never did. I, I really didn't. I I knew people who were doing it. more so law school is where I saw it mm-hmm. than us than um college. We've never talked about your law school experience that much, where it's like hyper competitive and you're like you want to hurt everyone and kill everyone at, at the I University did, I of didn't Texas. Feel that. You didn't feel it. I went to Marquette for law school. Went to Marquette for law school. So, Kenny, Kenny, Kent. So, at Marquette, did you, was it, was it letter grades or was it pass, fail, high pass, high, high, like whatever? No, it was letter grades. But I was in these Milwaukee streets. (laughs) Like, hard. In the Milwaukee streets? (laughs) What? Hard. In the Milwaukee streets, nigga? It's like. Have you been to Milwaukee? I ne- I'm not dissing Milwaukee, guys. I'm I've never just been. saying it goes down. I, I, Milwaukee can be kind of rough. Okay. Let's just put it. Oh, no, no, no. That I knew. That's, but is I'm it going saying, down? I'm not saying like it's popping. You go to Milwaukee, you're like, what is there fun to do? And they say Chicago. So it's not mm-hmm. like that. But there are a couple of spots 
that you would go to. And mm-hmm. the Bucks would be in there. Who? The Bucks would be in there and you would be like, hey, Michael Red. No, what year? Yeah, was it? 720. 720 was when, no, it was Brandon Jennings. Brandon Jennings. Seven, oh, Jesus Christ. 720 was the name of the club that was popping like that. But then there was 618, which was okay. more of like a, it was outside of downtown. More of like a. So I know some of these, spot. I know some of these Bucks. I know Larry Sanders. Shout out to the homie Larry Sanders. Big Larry out here doing his thing. Larry Sanders is a very nice guy and a very uh, strong and upright brother that everybody should be supporting. Big tall ass nigga. Shout out to uh, Larry Sanders. He was on the Bucks at that time. What, when did you leave Marquette? I didn't know him. I knew like, uh, well, um, I, lived, I, was there from I was there from 2008 to 2011. Oh, so I don't think Larry was quite there yet. So 2008 to 2011. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you were getting in the, in the Milwaukee street. So does this mean that like you weren't super focused on law school? Is that what, was that the thing? I did enough to get by. I was never, yeah. I was not the student who was like, I have to be the top of the class because I knew my plan. I was, Wisconsin has this where if you graduate from Wisconsin, you, you leave with uh, your bar license. Mm-hmm. So all you have to do is graduate, pay the fee, and you're a licensed attorney. But I knew I was going to go back to Texas to take the bar, which I did, and I really focused on that. So I was just trying to—I was just trying to do enough, right? I worked for the Milwaukee Bucks my last semester in law school. I was a legal intern fan. I was a legal intern. I had a great time. Um, yeah, I was a research assistant for the Sports Law Institute when I was there. I worked. Oh, nice. So you, so I, you, it I seems always, like. You, you I was did a lot of stuff. reward system. Right. Yeah, like I would work hard and I would play hard. Right. So I got um, introduced to somebody who was from Milwaukee and they kind of had the keys to the city and I got cool with their daughter and I would hang out with no law school people, just people Zero. from the city. Nice. And it was a nice. good time. Um. Yeah, you know, I, I have friends that went to law school, like a lot uh-huh. of lawyers, and then they went to law school, and then they uh, everybody freaked out over the bar. The bar was tough. The bar the was bar, tough. The bar caused. I've seen the bar cause relationship problems. Mm-hmm. I've seen the bar cause like the bar was tough. I've seen some of the smartest niggas I've ever known just can't do it. It just, is rough. It is a in Texas. It was two and a half days of testing. Mm-hmm. I developed heartburn after the first day and I had it from wow. the first day I took the bar until I got my results for three months. I had heartburn. I That's the kind the of stress pork. that I was under. Excuse me. I think it was the pork chops. <sighs> no, it wasn't. It was rough. It it's was. Tough. How much, like how much time do you study when you study for the bar? Like what, 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 what kind I'm of I'm probably you not the one to focus on. Cause for me, like three days before the bar, I was like, fuck it. At this point, I either know it or I don't. I was at the club. At that point, three days before. Rachel, do you realize that you've given possibly the most irresponsible answers to every single question that I've asked? I'm a good test like, taker. I'm a like good test taker. So am I, but like and you, you're so successful and you're like the kids that are listening to, to this right now, they're like, Rachel doesn't give a fuck. Like, you didn't listen to what I said. I said 
three days before the bar. At that point, if you don't know it, you don't know it. I had been studying. I would honestly say I put in a 12 hour, 12 hour days because oh, you wow. go to your bar, you would mm. go to your bar prep class, which mm. is about three to four hours. And then you would go straight to the library and you would find your people, find your study group so you could exchange outlines, get different information. Some people were taking classes that you weren't taking. And I go to SMU library and I would study with out-of-towners. That was my key. Not the people who went to law school in Texas. They had an advantage because they knew Texas law. I studied with the out-of-towners. So I'm not telling you that part. 12 hours a day. 12 mm. hours a day. And I had a long-distance boyfriend. Mm. Made it work. Made it work. People have been, we're not going to have Scott Adams on the podcast. We're only not going to have Scott Adams People on the podcast. People were mad about that. People were mad. I had somebody hit me up and say that I was Emmanuel Acho. <laughs> and you know what pisses me off about that? Y'all need to calm down. Y'all need to calm down. Do you know what pisses me off about that? And shout out to this person because we ended up actually having a pretty good conversation on... Um, uh, back and forth. But what really pissed me off is about that. It's like, sometimes I feel like, I'm being honest, that that y'all don't really pay attention to what it is that's actually being said on the podcast. Sure. And I know that the podcast is an entertainment podcast and I don't think that the words that I'm saying are so important that anyone need, like, hang on every word or heed every single message. But I don't have any problem with anyone interviewing somebody that we might consider to be either problematic, either outside of the culture, whatever you want to call it. Like I would interview anybody. Those are the types of interviews. I was recently asked to sit for an interview with Richard Spencer. I won't be doing that. But I, I would interview anyone, right? I would interview anybody. The problem that I had was the interview itself. When you have somebody there who espouses certain things or there's a purpose to the interview, like the police or Roger Goodell, not to rehash this, you know, not to drum this back up. I feel like there is a responsibility to approach the interview in a certain way. Mm-hmm. So if we had Scott Adams on here and it was like, hey, tell us about the beginnings of Dilbert. What was the inspiration? Huh? Huh? You feel you feel brave with the things that you said? That would be one thing. But having an in, but but having an interview to where you either you know hold somebody's feet to the flame, poke holes in the narrative that they're spinning, right, or are able to talk around them um, in a way not to try to change their perspective or their opinion, but sometimes these bad ideas need mm-hmm. to be confronted in an open forum. And I think that that's interesting. I think it's interesting that we're kind of moving away from a point where people feel the need to do that. I, I think people now would rather kind of let them fester amongst their own people. I, I'm not, the, one of the reasons why I'm not for censorship is because I feel like bad ideas should be confronted where everyone can see. Mm. I think it's interesting that that, thought warrior hit you up in that way or that other thought warriors were against bringing somebody on because we've discussed before having somebody who was not a blatant racist necessarily like Scott Adams, but we've talked about having someone on the complete opposite end of the spectrum on this podcast. And the point is not to give them a platform to further these ideas. It's, it's to, or for, to make these ideas go further. It's, it's to give them a, 
to have the conversation where we can challenge them on the things that they're saying and confront them on issues that have made the news or that have mm-hmm. been controversial or have gone viral on social media. And I'm sorry, Thought Warriors, when did you not want us to do that? At this point, we are almost three years in this thing. And I think that it, you would trust the type of conversation that we were to have, whether it's coming from Van, me, or both, that we would do it justice in a higher learning way. So like, yeah, yeah. yeah. We have Wood Harris on the podcast today. I can't. Yeah, we do. What's yeah, the, we do. What's, what's the, uh, What's the enduring Wood Harris role for you? Like, what do you feel like? I mean, remember the Titans. You have to understand, remember the kind of household I grew up in, okay? So these are the movies that we were watching. These are the movies we were watching. I loved him. I loved him in this movie. Julius, like, I loved his story. I felt him. It's a true story. That was, that was it for me. I wasn't... Left side! Left side. Left side. side. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. We are the Titans. Yo, come on, man. <laughs> I love that movie. That was that was when I first really came to know uh, Wood Harris. Nah, it's too you? many roles. It's too many roles. That was today. the first. No, the first. No, the first. I'm not naming oh, the, first, the, 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 the best. First. I'm naming the first that I really. Well, I mean, the first time I remember seeing him was above the rim. Sure. Well, I, I, think I was, did not. I was not watching that in the 90s. But yes. Um, I saw Re- Re- Remember the Titans. That came, I'm pretty sure that, that came out before The Wire. But so that's a Wood 2000. Harris. 2000. When did The Wire? Right. Was that 02? I think 2003. Two, maybe 2003. Two. Okay, maybe, okay. No, maybe 2002, 2002, okay. 2003, something like okay, that. Okay. And so, um, yeah, The Wire might be 2002. So it's the first time it's probably Remember the Titans, but then, man, he just goes on that run, man. Mm-hmm. You know, Wood Everywhere. And a career that when you think about it, not even when you think about it, Wood is everywhere right now. Wood, Marvel, Blade mm-hmm. Runner. Uh, oh, the the Creed franchise going, not just going, but going strong. I can't wait to talk to Wood Harris about all kinds of things. Yeah. Um. So we'll have him on in a little bit. But before we do that, we have to talk about a big deal of the day that we haven't really touched on here on Higher Learning, and that is the potentially seismic case of Dominion suing Fox News. Mm-hmm. Something important to talk about on the other side of this break. Let's do it. Okay, Rachel. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free. 
today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Yes. Fox News. Mm-hmm. First words that come to your mind. Yuck. Yeah, but why? Don't just, don't just <laughs> yuck. You, know you said first word. Oh, you said words. I'm sorry. I heard word. Um, Fox News to me, when I, when I think of it, first thing I think of is unreliable. Mm-hmm. Um, doing things in a performative way and for show. Yeah. But then I also think about how are they are one of the most watched networks at the same time. Not one of, the. The, the, the. Yeah. So before we get into what's going on right now, I'll take you guys back into the history of my understanding of Fox News. Uh, I first heard, started hearing the term liberal bias in the media um, when I was in high school, when I really started to kind of pay attention to that stuff. And at the end of the 90s, or maybe the mid-90s, Fox News burst onto the scene. And Fox News ended up, it, it, it set itself apart, obviously, as being uh, a right-of-center network, okay? And for years, that was okay. For years, Fox didn't seem to peddle in the kind of outright misinformation that they are mired in now. For a long time, you had the Bill O'Reilly's of the world. You had Hannity and Combs. Hannity used to share his show with a guy who had a left-leaning perspective. You had Mark Lamont Hill, who was somebody who I first saw on Fox News. I'm not saying that Fox News was ever someplace that gave you the news straight down the center and didn't um, in any way uh, a sort of prop up right-leaning thought. But what I'm saying is it wasn't as bad as what it's been for a number of years now. Now what we're seeing is Fox News is not being even a news operation anymore. When you say when you say that Fox at this point is an arm of the Republican Party and not just the Republican Party, but the far right MAGA kind of conservative wing of the party, when you say that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and when you consider that Fox is the most watched cable net news network out there, mm-hmm. um, and it's mainstreaming some really terrible ideas, such as white replacement therapy, uh, white replacement therapy, that's funny, <laughs> therapy to replace, uh, white replacement theory, um, dog whistling, white supremacist tropes, all those types of things, you were wondering, is there any possible thing that could kind of yank them back? from the edge of just complete wackadoo bullshit. There might be. Right now, Dominion Voting Systems, which is a company, uh, is a Denver-based company. It sells electronic voting hardware. I'm sure you guys have heard about this in software. It's suing Fox News and its parent company, News Corp, Rupert Murdoch situations, for its, uh, its peddling of the big lie, which is, of course, that Donald Trump actually won the 2020 presidential election. Uh, A lot of times when people would point to ways that uh, voter fraud happened, they would point directly to Dominion's software. Have you heard about this case? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, It's one that we shouldn't take lightly and we should pay attention to because whatever ends up happening with this case is going to be... It's going to dictate honestly, how we receive news, Mm. right? Like who, 
the way that, yeah, the way that we receive news. So yeah, I've been paying attention to it. I find it very interesting because this is a defamation case, right? And a defamation case is really, really hard to prove because you have to prove what's a standard called actual malice. And so it's not just that false statements were made. It's that the person had knowledge that these statements were actually false. So what you're going to see on the other side and what is happening with Fox News is they're saying, oh, well, we're protected under the First Amendment. Am I jumping ahead here? No, you're doing your thing. We're doing, uh, we're protected under the First Amendment. We're just giving our, we're just giving our opinion. We have the right to say these things. But if you can prove that not only are they saying the wrong thing, but knew these things were wrong, which is hard to prove, right? Because you basically have to get inside of their head that their intention was to lie. That they knew that they were that they knew these statements were false, and they were going to continue uh, perpetuating this these false statements. Well, what's happened is in the discovery process, where Dominion's team, legal team, is trying to figure out what Fox News knew during the discovery process. They've been taking depositions. They've had access to text messages. They've had access to emails, and they are learning that the higher ups, all the way up to the top to these hosts that are on air were not only making false statements, but knew they were making false statements and didn't believe any of it. There's so much evidence that goes towards Dominion's case that to me, it seems like this is a no-brainer, even though this is a hard case to prove, that Fox News was defamatory against Dominion. Because, and, 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 here's, and here's the other thing I just want to say too, even if Dominion is successful in this case, their reputation is forever tainted because of how big the big lie was. You will forever think about Dominion and their equipment and how faulty it was or the things that it was capable of doing, switching votes. And so it ruins their credibility as states on the local, state, and national level use these, these uh, machines for voting purposes. So no matter, even though they're suing for $1.6 billion, this has been detrimental to, to their reputation and, and their, their whole uh, uh, business. You're not even supposed to know what a company like Dominion is. If exactly. The company, right. If the company is operating uh, and the software, should I say, is operating in the way that it should be operating, you're never mm-hmm. even supposed to know what the name of that company is. Yeah. You're supposed that the the faith is supposed to be so high that the votes are being tabulated the way that they're supposed to be tabulated that you're never even supposed to have heard of that company. You'll only ever hear the name of a company like that if something is going wrong. And in this case, nothing did go wrong, right. but Donald Trump, his cronies, and Fox News made it seem like that was happening. We have basically everyone. This is Lou Dobbs on November 11th, 2020. We're talking fresh after everything. (laughs) This is Lou Dobbs talking about uh, the big lie and Dominion voting systems. Also breaking the election software blame for what uh, some humorous in Pennsylvania call glitches and uh, in Michigan and Georgia. Well, those uh, glitches, glitches were, it appears, programmed uh, in uh, software used in not just a few states, in 28 states in this election. 
The software is in the voting machines of a company called Dominion Voting Systems. Okay, let me give you guys a little breakdown here, a little media situation. Okay, so Van Lathan, myself, third-person douchebag, who I am now, uh, writing a headline for TMZ. Mm-hmm. The way that you can, the way you write a headline. Let me tell you where Lou Dobbs fucked up. Okay. When you are writing a headline about a lawsuit or about an allegation, you have to maintain the intellectual consistency of the allegation throughout that headline or throughout your statement. Okay. Mm-hmm. It appears lends way too much credibility to the accusation. Mm -hmm. People are claiming, people are saying a large... The better thing to do there is to identify the specific party that is making claims to take a gigantic idea and crystallize it into one person, one entity. If there is a voters group in Georgia, if there is a political group in in Arizona, if there is an elections personnel person in Nevada, what you need to be able to do as a news organization, and I'm not teaching Lou Dobbs or anybody at Fox how to do news. I'm just telling you how I was taught to do it. You need to say they are saying this. Mm-hmm. They're saying it. We're not saying it. They're saying it. Mm -hmm. Okay? The moment you get into it appears, you're editorializing. Yeah. Right? You're you're saying, hey, well, we thought that this was going on, but it looks like this is happening. Mm -hmm. Well, it looks like this is happening to whom? Right now, it looks like this is happening. looks like Lou Dobbs thinks that it happened. And Lou Dobbs is saying this on Fox's Airwaves. Let's move on. You have Maria Bertaroma with Trump's lawyer, Sidney Powell. This is November 15th, 2020. Donnie, give me that audio. Welcome back. According to public records, Dominion voting machines are used in 2,000 jurisdictions in 30 states. According to experts, if one site has a flaw, other sites are likely to as well, which is why Texas rejected using Dominion software three times, raising concerns that the system was not safe from fraudulent or unauthorized manipulation. That's troubling, given we already know that at least two software glitches in Georgia and Michigan occurred on election night. Attorney uh, Sidney Powell is leading the charge against Dominion, and she says she has enough evidence of fraud to launch a massive criminal investigation. Sidney, thanks very much for being here. We appreciate your time this morning. I want to get right into it. We just heard about the software uh, made by Smartmatic from Rudy, and I want to get your take on what you report, what you and I spoke about just a few minutes ago, and that is a gentleman named Peter Neffinger. Tell me how he fits into all of this. Yes, well, he is listed as its former Admiral Peter Neffinger, or retired Admiral Peter Neffinger. He is president and on the board of directors of Smartmatic. And it just so happens he's on uh, Mr. Biden's presidential transition team that's going to be non-existent because we're fixing to overturn the results of the election in multiple states. 
And President Trump won by not just hundreds of thousands of votes, but by millions of votes that were shifted by this software that was designed expressly for that purpose. We have sworn witness testimony of why the software was designed. It was designed to rig elections. He was fully briefed on it. He saw it happen in other countries. It was exported internationally for profit by the people that are behind Smartmatic and Dominion. They did this on purpose. It was calculated. They've done it before. We have evidence from 2016 in California. We have so much evidence. I feel like it's coming in through a fire hose. That doesn't sound too bad, right? Except for one thing. Text messages uh, from November 16th, 2020, which would have been one day after this aired, Mm -hmm. from Tucker Carlson say, Sidney Powell is lying about having evidence for election fraud. Okay? And later on, communication from Rupert Murdoch himself, who was deposed on this, and is seemingly willing to sacrifice different personalities on Fox News Uh, If that means sort of settling with Dominion in some sort of way, uh, said that he said in in communication between him and other people at at, at Fox that Trump was eventually going to concede. The reason why that's important is because it seemed like at least internally inside of the Fox brain trust, they knew that Sidney Powell and people like her, including uh, disgraced Mayor Giuliani and others, were lying about this, but they platformed them anyway. Mm-hmm. Rachel, mm-hmm. question to you. Even if you don't say it, if you allow someone to come on your airwaves and say something that about a specific company that you know to be untrue and you don't in any way do any journalism, is that defamation? Yeah, if you knew the state, what was being said was false, then it's, yeah, it's defamation, right? It's a mm. false statement, and you knew that statement was being, that was being made was false. Absolutely, it's what it is. And I mean, it, it's, it's wild because the reason all of this Fox News even started this, jumping on this bandwagon, is because they pissed off Trump. And Trump got mad and Trump started calling them out because they essentially were the ones to announce that Biden won the presidency because was it Arizona? I think that was the state. They announced that he won Arizona and Trump got mad and started calling out Fox and Fox's ratings dropped. So their response to get their ratings back up and to get power in this whole news, you know, to remain on top like they were, was to jump on the bandwagon that Trump was on, even though they knew it was a lie. Mm. Rupert Murdoch, in his deposition, said it's not about red or blue. It's about green. It's about green. It's about ratings. It's about money. It's about power. And so rather than give the truth and to honor journalism and to protect it, they went after the green and they jumped on what whatever trump was saying they were going to repeat it because that was going to let them hold on to everything that it was, that it is that they lost which hmm. is not what we do was not journalism so it's so let's talk about rupert murdoch real quick 
uh, real quick. Uh, Rupert Murdoch's deposition has been unsealed. And in his mm-hmm. deposition, uh, he talks about the fact that, uh, like I said before, various Fox News hosts um, participated in this. He says some more directly and more egregiously than others. And when asked what should happen to them, he said some of them should be reprimanded. He said they should be reprimanded. And in some case, may, some cases, maybe they should be let go. So the question now is uh, a billion dollar haircut is a huge haircut. We've seen Dominion with threats of lawsuits and other lawsuits be able to shut people down like Newsmax, OAN, who remember they ripped uh, Newsmax, ripped the MyPillow guy. Right, right off the air right. when um when he was on this can't do it can't can't handle the lawsuit so mm-hmm. uh dominion seems to be in a good spot with fox news then the question is what's going to be the fallout of all of this I, this is the reason why this story is, is is so important to me is because fox news killed brian sicknick mm-hmm. and that is not hyperbole mm-hmm. That is in no way hyperbolic. That's not me jumping to a conclusion. That's a fact. The Trump administration could not accept defeat in 2020. And because of that, they concocted a vivid fantasy about what actually happened. And there were several people who they villainized in that fantasy. They they villainized election workers all over the country. They villainized their own vice president, Mike Pence. They villainized anyone who refused to go along with the big lie. Okay, they Mm -hmm. villainized Dominion. Anyone that didn't believe this fairy tale was an enemy. Normally, we have to dig very deep to uncover the actual bones, the remains of what bad ideas do. Normally it's hard. You can't really see it. You try to convince people of what believing and putting your faith in a bad idea is. You try to convince people of what not addressing systemic racism will do. You try to convince people of how not using the proper pronouns or dead naming people, you say, hey, there's a corollary between the way people are treated and uh, percentages of runaways and suicides and murder and violence. And all of those things are absolutely true. You say, hey, white replacement theory um, on your show directly leads to some guy in Buffalo or some kid somewhere else getting a gun and going, killing people. These are the bad ideas. This, you don't need to do any of that. These people believed the lie that was peddled by Donald Trump and given wholesale to millions of people by Fox News. Mm -hmm. They then stormed the Capitol on January 6th and they killed people. Yep. They killed people because of what they believed. They kill people because of what they believed, and what they believed was told to them, not just by the president. It was told to them by the president's cronies 
that work on the largest news organization in the country. If I was the family of the the slain police officers in January 6th, I would levy a wrongful death suit against Fox News. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, I, I, like, to, to me, and I don't know that that would, but to me, I see a clear line. Yeah, their negligence caused yeah. that. No, 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 I, not their negligence. Hold on, very clear, but before I, not their negligence. It's not negligence. It would have been negligence if they believed it without doing the due diligence as reporters. They lied on purpose, Rachel. No, I'm saying under a wrongful death. Okay. Their, their reckless act, their negligent. That's what I'm saying. Their reckless actions caused that. That's what I'm saying. Not negligence in general. Uh, let me just say this. Were you done? I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I did. I, yeah. <laughs> let me just say this. The outcome of this case, I can't stress the importance of it. Should Fox News not be held responsible in this? If Fox News gets off and they are, it is not found that, that their actions were defamatory, they are untouchable. They are completely untouchable. And this will have huge consequences. Think about this. People sit down, especially growing up for us, not necessarily they, they get on the phone, but you sit down in whatever medium and you take in information that you believe to be true because that is what journalism is. That is the integrity that's supposed to be affiliated with journalism. Here, Fox News, it is coming out from Pete, from Rupert himself that they lied, that they knew that these statements were false, yet they put it on their airways through their hosts by bringing on other people to perpetuate these ideas. They put it out there. If they're not found responsible, where does it end? They are untouchable. If they are allowed to hide under the First Amendment by putting out lies in an intentional way, it's all gone to shit. Mm. And they'll be able to do whatever they want without consequence. Here you can draw a clear line to where the lie was and the direct action of that lie and how it has hurt organizations, people, families, the integrity of journalism, all of it. And if you can't find them responsible, what are we doing? Stuff. They have to be found responsible. Here's the pro- here's the oh, problem. You have to change the law. You have to change here's, the law. Here's the deal. Uh, many people have said it, and I agree. It's very likely that the Fox News public will not ever hear about what's going yeah. on. They get their news uh, exclusively from exclusively from one place, and Fox isn't talking about it. And I am not saying that Fox isn't talking about it. Howard Kurtz, who covers the news media for Fox News brave son of a bitch, said this on television. Some of you have been asking why I'm not covering the Dominion voting machines lawsuit against Fox involving the unproven claims of election fraud in 2020. And it's absolutely a fair question. I believe I should be covering it. It's a major media story, given my role here at Fox. But the company has decided that as part of the organization being sued, I can't talk about it or write about it, at least for now. I strongly disagree with that decision. But as an employee, I have to abide by it. And if that changes, I'll let you know. Wow. <laughs> wow. So you guys might be asking yourselves a question right now. You listen to this podcast. You're like, man, 
We know Fox is fucked up. Rachel, we know Fox is fucked up. We know that Fox is fucked up. We know that this won't change Fox. We know that the only way that this could possibly even make a dent is if Fox loses some real high-profile on-air talent and is then forced to reconcile with their audience why that talent is gone. So I'll say this. Or advertisers. That is the thing. Mm-hmm. All of these networks are essentially advertising hubs. That's how they make their money. You might not think that you're watching Fox News, but you are. I am. Rachel could be. Mm-hmm. Kalika could be. Brian could be. Because the products, at least some of them, that advertised heavily and advertised heavily with an organization that helped kill police officers in Washington, D.C., in my opinion, you might be using some of those products. If you want any sort of change out of whatever the apparatus at Fox News is, the only thing that, the only weapon that you'd have is to boycott, is to identify and continue to identify those that continue to do business with Fox News. Mm-hmm. And that's not just Fox News, that's Fox Nation, that's all of that shit, okay? Now, this is what I say. It's up to us to help you guys with that. So what we're going to do, me and Donnie and Rachel and Ashley, is we're going to put our heads together and keep a list of companies that are doing business with Fox News. Some companies are going to leave, some companies are going to come back. From time to time, we're just going to talk about them. And hopefully we can make sure that any company that's doing business with Fox, that we don't do business with them here at Higher Learning. Yeah. Now, I'm saying that now without having vetted that and talked to any type of the people that do any of that stuff. But I can tell you right now, it's not going to make a a dent in anything. I don't want to share and roll over money in the same types of place as much as I can. And I would hope that the people listening to this podcast can do the same thing. We missed this story five or six days ago when it came out. And the reason why we did is because a lot of times, even us, we get distracted. This is real what's happening up here. You're having the biggest media organization knowingly lie to suit one person Mm -hmm. for the purposes of financial gain. Nothing left to be said. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed. 
my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Uh, You guys, we teased it. It's coming. Wood Harris, one of the stars of Creed 3, which is out now. Go see it. Creed is great. Mm-hmm. Good job, mm-hmm. Mike. Good job, Jonathan. Good job, Tessa Thompson. Yeah. Good yeah. job, Wood Harris. Um, our interview with Wood right here. Check it out. You guys, we're about to go ahead and get into an interview that I'm not even going to try to act like I'm not a fan. I'm not a big mm-hmm. fan. It's certain people that are in this business, in this industry, that have made things and have been the person that they are, you just connect with them. You just, you're just a fan. You just, hey, <laughs> you're happy when you see them on screen. They bring it every single time. And for me, our next guest on Higher Learning is one of those guys. A career that has spanned so many legendary roles and moments, different iterations. And now, huge movie coming out, probably going to be, we're not saying probably, it's going to be the number one movie at the box office this week, Creed Three. And he is one of the stars of it. Wood Harris joins us today on Higher Learning. My brother, how are you? Man, I am fine, man. Thank you for that very gracious intro. I appreciate that. So let's talk about the movie real quick, because I got tons of shit I want to ask you about. But let's talk about the movie. Um, All right. I saw the movie. and I saw the movie, too. It's fantastic. It's great. It's like right after I I was seeing the movie, I hit Mike. I'm like, yo, bro, this was really good. What? I'm going to be honest with you. I had low expectations just because it's the third movie of a a trilogy. But you you guys were able to do something brand new with the characters and almost like started over. It's kind of almost like a reboot in a way, like an origin Mm -hmm. story. Tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit about that. I think that was a bit of an objective for Ryan even with Creed 1, you know, I think the long-term plan for Creed was for it to have its own, like, ecosystem and be its own vehicle, not necessarily just uh, attached to Rocky. And um, I think with the third edition, Mike came in, added certain aspects of his own creative, his own creative output. And we ended up what we, what we ended up with, man, which is a very unique Great movie. John Majors is just mm. awesome, um, literally. I mean, but that's how that happened. I believe early on, because Ryan Coogler is, 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 is masterful. He's very thoughtful and very um, smart, just really, really smart guy. And his long-term plans often come into fruition. You know what I'm saying? So what you're seeing is something that was cultivated like maybe a decade ago, bro. Like coming into fruition now, you know. So, really, um, for you, what was it like being directed by Michael? Since you've known him, you've known him for so many years, and you know him when he was a kid. So, what was it like, you know, seeing him step into that role and working with him in that way? Um, you know, it's just really interesting. Like, you really have to be well. If you know Mike, then you just come in support him because. You know Mike. You know he's 
Um, you know, he's just a down, good, good person. Like you can't come in bringing egos and trying to act like, you know, you're so special or whatever. You just want to get down with the program and, and be supportive of it. You know, it's his mm-hmm. first film. So you want to come in and not, you know, be another chief in the kitchen. A lot of times it'd be a lot of people with their ideas and, um, I didn't want to expound a whole lot of things. I just wanted him to have his own space and not worry about me, you know, mm-hmm. uh, worry about less. It's very difficult to, to direct yourself. And I don't know another actor given uh, such a duty. You know, this is an epic film, right? It's not like a indie thing. And it's the third part, like, 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 you know, it's the third part. It's very, it's very important that it comes out a certain way. Right. Mm-hmm. So I don't know many actors given that much opportunity. So I've literally known him since he was 15 or 16. And I just want to be like super supportive and be, mm-hmm. be my best. I always want to be my best. So I'm bringing that to him, you know, but I'm like a big brother type. He's like a little bro to me. And um, my little bro is popping. Okay. Doing his thing. <laughs> yeah. doing my his little thing. bro is popping. Okay. Yeah. Uh, any any animosity between you and him ever because you had him killed? <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about it. You, you, like, very hard to watch. Very hard to watch. You had him murked out. We all had to watch it. I was like, God damn. Yeah, no, man. man. No animosity, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no animosity. I'm too gangster for that. You know what I'm saying? You. I feel you. So you play... Lil Duke in this, and for people who know the entire Rocky franchise, and you know that Duke was Apollo Creed's trainer that then became Rocky's trainer um, mm-hmm. um, after Rocky changed his style and after Apollo's death. Really, in a way, your character is kind of, if Sylvester Stallone's is not in the movie, your character is kind of the last link to the legacy brand of this being um, mm-hmm. a Rocky movie because you're the son of Duke and you're the last person that would have known all of all these. Of the yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, all of these characters. What is that like? What is it like to be the Duke for a generation and still have to kind of play on something that's so familiar to the people that know the entire Rocky lore? Because you got to be a little bit different and you got to be like what you're what you are in the movie, which is kind of that steadying presence. Right. Um, you know, I, I, I never really think about the Rocky stuff because mm. I think if I start putting those things in my head or put even the original Big Duke into my into my thinking, uh, I, I just don't want to have that kind of traffic in my in my brain, you know. So in order to be in like the current moments, I, I don't really dwell in the past things at all very much, to be honest with you. I just it's very difficult. Um because there's so much work we have to do that's current and and um, in the now, you know. Mm. But that said, I, I'm the type, I, I don't want to do a disservice to what already was, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. Rocky is, for generation people, just super important. Sylvester Stallone is a great actor to mm-hmm. me. And, and without him in the film, I'm almost like him in the film, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I'm I'm this I'm the Stallone character in a sense. Um so we knew that moving into it. We talked about that, but we still gotta be fresh, right? 
Right. So Mike and I are partners in the business, in our uh, boxing gym. We own the gym and we're looking to, you know, brand out some new talent. And um, that's a little different. You know, mm-hmm. we're partners. Okay. So now we execute rather than me being like a mentor or someone um, executing from an authorizing position. We're like nearly equal in our objectives, you know, so we run this business with the objective of uh, putting out great fighters and incomes, John majors, you know what I'm saying? So, excuse me. Um, You know, that said, I mean, you know, the way Mike and I operate, I mean, there's just a long-term chemistry, you know? So when you have that, uh, you work faster together, you know, you kind of can think, kind of like you know what the person is thinking in a sense. So, right. yeah, we have a lot of balance on the set because Mike is very thoughtful and um and, and, and um, hardworking and talented. So there's a lot of balance, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was a difficult task for Mike. I was able to watch it be a difficult task. I, he couldn't get much sleep. He had to sleep in a hyperbaric chamber, you know, to recoup his body from all the working out. And it was tough. Was he was tough. doing the he was doing the Michael Jackson thing. He was doing the <laughs> Michael Jackson thing. Wow. <laughs> Minus the propofol. <laughs> no Get that right. Yeah. But he was in that smooth criminal style, bro. Right. <laughs> he was. Mama saying he was on that. <laughs> real. Um, yeah, Mike. Man, Mike is a great person, though, bro. I, you know. I could go on about Mike, man, because I, I I like to talk about like just great people, man, like great young man, bro, raised, you know, raised by um a solid family, you know, and um I tell people like he was raised right, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like you could tell in the interviews, like recently that thing went viral where the girl was trying to be funny or whatever, mm-hmm. and uh had been had been from his high school experience, and um man, he handled that like a champ. If you think about it, let me ask you this: Do is give her eye contact and say, "How you like me now?" And he did that for the most part. Yeah, he said, "How you like me now?" I'm only the sex sexiest man alive, you know, and I, I happen to be extremely rich and young and thoughtful and smart. And ladies love cool Mike, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, like well, I mean, how I, you let, like let, me now? Well, let me ask you this: I, since you bring that up, uh, big news today: Joe Button, podcaster, said that. Mike was corny for the way that he handled the lady on uh, L'Oreal. Shout out to L'Oreal. L'Oreal on on the uh, on the on the red carpet. Joe said that uh, Mike was wrong and Mike acted corny and that Mike proved that he was corny by the way he handled L'Oreal. Hmm. Well, what comes into play is 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 corny, right? Mm-hmm. So we know what corny has meant. With black people, like 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 corny is if you if 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 you're in the hood. I grew up in the hood. I'm from Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, like people will call you corny if you sound white to them, which means you might be articulating a certain way. You know what I'm saying? So I ain't grow up like over. I wasn't a super articulating person growing up or nothing like that. But I totally remember what corny was. Mike is 36, I believe. Mm-hmm. So what was corny 20 years ago was to be good in school was corny to, um, you know, it's corny actually to be your own self. Mm. Corny has, uh, as Joe Bunn's definition to it, we all can, 
pull up and design a definition around a slang term like corny, okay? Um, but careful when you throw names out at people, you know, like, we do that too much, you know? Mm-hmm. And I know Joe Joe Buttons, you know, that's kind of his style, you know, that's that's in tow with where, that's the way he is, you know what I'm saying? So he's brutally honest. That's his opinion. I think Joe is from New Jersey. Yes. So he might know stuff about Mike that, you know, and, but, but you know, it's, what's corny? Right. Well, it's corny to be raised right. You, you know, like everybody's so damn cool, you know? Yeah. Everybody's so <laughs> yeah. cool. <laughs> everybody too cool for school now, right? I don't even like everybody's so cool, man. Like hmm. nobody's like, okay. I'm corny too. I'm corny. Bro. I'm definitely corny, bro. I'm I corny know I am so. Mike is corny. If Mike corny, man, yo, man, we corny. Man. We corny. You know, we, <laughs> we, corny. we corny, bro. We corny. We like, corny. Like I'm corny as hell, dog. I can solve the Rubik's cube. I'm a magic watch to up with David Blaine and all that. I'm super corny, bro. So, so okay, so we corny now. What? Now what? What do that right. mean? Right. Like, what you right. want to fight or something? Yeah. Like, okay, I'm corny, and you cool mm. then, bro. What can I say? You the fridge, man. I'm the oven. You know what I'm saying? Whatever you want me to be. Like, all I know is Mike is highly re- loved. Yeah. He's liked more than all the people making these comments, right? Mm-hmm. He's liked more than those people. Hey, yo, being liked goes a long way. It does. Like, mm-hmm. You know, being liked goes wrong. Now, corny people that ain't black, they don't go through the same persecution, you know, that, like, we decide, like, it's okay if I write on my head right here, Farrakhan, right? If I pull mm-hmm. a J Electronica and put Farrakhan right here, I'm not. What is that? Mm-hmm. Let's start defining shit then. Y'all want to define everything? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I'm always going to go to bat for my squad. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like Mike is on my squad. Like that's my teammate. I don't be wanting to hear, you know, um, vitriol. I know it's not vitriol coming from Joe. I know he's just giving his opinion. And, you know, it's a viable opinion. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so let's say he is corny. Okay. Me too, bro. And so it's Ben, mm-hmm. bro. Yeah. Okay. So we corny, bro. And? You yeah. want to fight Van? Go fight Van. <laughs> Don't fight Wood and Mike. Go fight Van. Van got hands. <laughs> Yo, you could be corny with hands, Van. That's what you I'm trying to say. You yeah. could be sexy and corny now. Corny didn't used to be sexy. So you redefining corny? All right. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. So we the sexy corny, you know, we the sexy corny niggas in, in the back or whatever. What you want exactly. me to say? Like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, we are. All right, I, Joe. I, I like you that you just separating the BS versus what the person really is, who they really are. I love that. And, I, and and what I also love is you're at the point of your career where younger talent looks up to you. They like you. They look up to you and what you've done because you've had such an extensive career. And I'm wondering for you, what is that like? Because they're putting you on the levels with like, you, you've shared the screen with some amazing actors. You're an amazing actor yourself. They're putting you on that level too and rightfully so. What is that like? And do you feel a level of responsibility to maybe advise or mentor some of this younger talent as they're looking up to you? Um, firstly, it's, it's, it's pretty awesome to be um, have a long-term entertainment career, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot of people you don't see, mm-hmm. you know? And you still see Wood Harris brand new. And um, and you will always kind of see me, you know what I'm saying? After a while, you, you get it, right? But... Um, when I, when the younger t- talent comes, like I did BMF, 
work with Lil Meech and all these young, other younger cats and John Majors and uh, and I love those cats, yo. To be honest with you, they're like me. You dig? Like they're more like me than say a Denzel. Like a John Majors is more like Wood Harris mm-hmm. than Denzel. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. um, I love that. You dig? Because when I was coming up, mad young. Like the older generation, like they're very competitive and um, I much respect to it because, you know, my favorites are those guys, mm-hmm. Denzel, Larry Fishburne, Sidney Poitier, black and white movie stars and stuff like I'm I'm inspired by that. Right. So this is not to throw anybody under the bus, but they have um, a different way of being with the young talent like myself coming into the game. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's competitive, you know, so. You know. Why? Why? Let me just. Let me just. Well, I mean, look. We. we, 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 we I'm competitive with the young. You know. I feel. I feel you. Why has mm-hmm. that changed? Because I've heard that not just from Wood Harris. I've heard that before. It's like, I. You know, I talked to Tay, and Tay will tell me, well, back in the day, it really wasn't this situation to where it was like, kumbaya in Black Hollywood. He's like, we were up for all the same things. He's like, now. It's different than it was even when he was coming in. He told me that some time ago. What do you feel like has changed to where you guys don't feel that way anymore? Well, partly I believe the advent of all the streaming. There's so many Mm. places to work. If you think about it, for Wood Harris to go pro in movies, he had to get a movie, bro. (laughs) Like, Mm. now you can go viral. You can, there's so many ways to learn. I, had to, I went to school. I went to NYU. And, you know, I had to go. I felt like I needed to learn, like I needed to study. I just want to be uh, what I what I feel like I'm evolving into, which is a much more respected, uh, higher talent, in a sense. Mm-hmm. So the younger cats, um, I just love seeing it, bro. I, I think it's changed because there's more opportunities. Mm-hmm. Plus, like Tay and me and others like me and Tay, we went through it, and in a sense, I'm not doing what they did. To, I'm, I will never do the type of shit that was done to me, right? I've had scenes removed before by super dope actors, bro. I'm talking about the world, world-class world actors who might not feel like, like who can look at you and be like, I don't want this. This dude is a really good actor. It's mm-hmm. like getting on the court with somebody who, you know, that's a really good dude over there. Like, he might, he, he might like get too much attention and stuff like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i understand that i just would never do that you know mm-hmm. um and i don't think my generation who are just under that sort of just under that generation of actors i don't some of us might be that way but we still have a lot of opportunities we don't you know it's not just a movie one off or get a tv show here and there we have a lot of opportunities we also go after producing more we go out to be directors more if you're not cool with young talent and young producers and writers, how could you do that? So You're right, yeah. We, we kind of do more. You know, we we you know, we set out to do more even when we fail at, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the older generation, I think they were, you know, connected with their agents and managers and sort of like waiting for the next opportunity. And bro, when I'm in between movies and TV and stuff, I'm cultivating other things. Like you just have to. Um, mm-hmm. And I think they did a lot less of that, so it made them a little more comp, uh, competitive, and maybe less um, less down with the young people trying to come up. You know, so mm-hmm. I'm super cool with the young coming up. 
I feel like I want to be responsible for them being dope. You know, I want them to say if they get an Oscar, yo, man, my favorite is this dude or or even if they just tell me, you know, um, John Majors, for instance, John Majors looked up the teachers I I studied under and studied under them. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you something. John Majors is amazing for that, bro. Who goes looking for your teacher? <laughs> my teacher. And yeah. the whole time we was shooting the thing, he would come over in my corner. Sometimes we shoot Creed. He'd come over in his corner. He'll still be in character, but he'd be like, but he'd be talking to Wood. It'd be him talking to Wood. But and he would be like, you know, I gotta kill the like he wants to kill the the talent ahead of him. Like, mm-hmm. you know, killing, you know what I'm saying? Which I'm cool with that. Mm. I'm cool with that. It just makes you go really far, right? Right. Because really the world. I feel like the best, man, you know, so, you know, you know how that is. Like, you feel like the best. You just kind of like, well, bring, bring it. You bring know what it. I mean? Let's do it. Bring yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, be be better than me. Right. Be better than me, bro. Be, be, be awesome as hell. I tell my daughter and my son, my daughter who's going to act, right? You got to pull a Meryl Streep, yo. You got to be undeniable in this entertainment world, especially as a black person, right? Mm-hmm. If you're deniable at all, uh, they start pushing you away. Period. Period. Okay. So I hold on to my relationship with the young or with the younger actors. And it also keeps you young, you know? Like, I'm not going to mm-hmm. be out here fighting against little Meech. Right. He's dope. <laughs> He's dope. Yeah. He's dope. BMF is dope. Those young actors, the guy playing Lamar is dope. Mm-hmm. These actors are amazing. So let's give them some, let's give them some love, bro. Like, yeah. Just give them they love, man. And they love me. Like they I do. saw the, the guy, Yaya, uh, I forget his last name. I'm messing up his name. Abdul Mahim. Right, Abdul uh, Mahim. Yeah, yeah. Yaya Yaya Abdul I love that dude, bro. That dude is awesome. He's mm-hmm. fantastic, bro. He, him and John and Mike mm-hmm. are around the same age. Actually, I don't know Yaya's age, but I'm they're, they're, around, they're around. They're around. I mean, he's a little younger than them, I think, but they're they're all in the same like early yeah. 30s early the third 30s yeah they, they're all in the same kind of deal that dude is awesome I saw him at the premiere on Monday I ain't say a word to him and that's another <laughs> thing to answer your question she said about mentoring I I'm really not like that type of I will right mm-hmm. but I don't make assumptions so 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 little Meech came to me and and asked me something so I said I'll say something right but if you don't ask me I'm not gonna invite myself to be a mentor because that sense. I don't that's presumptuous, you know, mm-hmm. so of course. I just don't invite myself. So whenever it has happened, it's just been the young talent be coming on the old, your big bro or whatever, you know, and ask me this or that about acting. And um, I do have a wealth of information. Like I, I feel like I have a wealth of unique information, but I only impart it when I'm, you know, asking you shall receive type thing. I'm never going to knock on the door and say, yo, my man, even if I see you doing stuff that I can come and correct. You know, yeah. I, I don't feel comfortable doing that because to me, I, I don't like doing that kind of stuff. Right. Right. Yeah. You mentioned BMF. You and your brother both have played on BMF. When are we going to see y'all share the screen together and be in a movie? Uh, I don't know when you're going to see that. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm I'm still happy we did what we did. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's crazy. It's so unusual for yes. your, you know, me and my brother. When I was doing that work on BMF, 
I was working with my brother, my older brother, yo. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I was just kind of like, I can't believe we're doing this scene together. And then I started hearing the similar tones. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh shit, we sound ton tonally, we're very similar. So I was in the middle of the scenes, I was like, I gotta change my tone in this month. <laughs> <laughs> so I still was on like artist, artist imagination mode, you know. So I was just kind of, I didn't want my tone to be just like my brothers, you know what I'm saying? So um that's what, what working with him was surreal. And then I felt the obstacle of, you know, let let me make some more differences happen between us because, you know, I know my mom was like, from everybody knows we sound very similar unless I um introduce some other tones to my voice. So that's kind of where I was working with my brother. I worked with him before on another TV show called uh, Justify. Mm -hmm. And um, and uh, and that, that's the two experiences. And he and I are producing things and we'll produce together yeah. something we work on next, hopefully. Okay. So I got I to gotta ask you this because I got a couple questions and then you know I got to do at least one wire thing. Everybody knows what, what's going to happen here. Um, right, right. So... You are a veteran of the sports movie. Okay? Yeah, yeah. Above the rim, sports and the streets. Yeah. Remember the Titans. Sports, history. Sports, sports, history. One Creed. of the Creed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh shout out to my homie boy Uh like Creed. You were you've worked with some actors who are really good athletes. Dwayne Martin. You know what I mean? Yeah, Michael Mars Jordan. Like, yep. who is the single best athlete actor that you have ever worked with? Single best athlete actor I've ever worked with. That's a good one, bro, because people be having talent. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. Let me see. Because I know you're a hooper. So I know yeah, that I'm the best they ever worked with. You know what I'm saying? I'm the best they ever worked with. Like, because yeah, I ball out. You know what I'm saying? But, um, who, who's the best that I work with, you know? Uh, one of the, I mean, Mike is one of the best, okay? Mike Mike mm -hmm. can hoop. That's why, how corny are you, bro? If you go get 40 <laughs> points on the basketball court, you're not corny. Hey, what is corny Mike, shit Mike, coming from? Mike can hoop and Mike can fight. Mike can give you 30 a game. Can Joe mm -hmm. give you 30? Can Joe hoop? What could Joe do? <laughs> I, I, ain't to, I ain't trying to, look, I fuck with Joe Button, you know what right. I'm saying? But I'm just saying, though, can he hoop? Or is he just cool because he cool? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but anyway, um, <laughs> uh, let me think. Um, I'll tell you one of the better people who who could really, it was really like Brian McKnight can who? Oh my God. Um, not it, it an actor, can? but Brian was. Yeah, yeah, Brian, man. Really? Yeah, and no Brian bullshit. Like six, six and shit. Hey, Brian but, like 6'6", six, six, and Brian can who? No, no but when I first got out to LA, ran across Brian McKnight out there, I had heard before but I'm not talking about just like, I'm not talking about like he's good for, uh, no, I'm talking about, no. I'm talking about Legit. A, a big, strong, silky, gu a two guard. Like, he could, <laughs> like, he, like, with like, yeah, but with like, it, like, with, like, how you didn't do I'm like, what the fuck? Yo, you yeah, said, like, yeah, like, big, big, like, he could really play. He could really play. I did not yeah, know that. Yeah, he could really play. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he could really play. And his could son two, and all could, that. Like, could Tupac who? No. Could, Tupac was not a good basketball player. <laughs> Tupac wouldn't even touch a ball. Mm. That's corny. <laughs> Shut stop with the corny thing. <laughs> hey, you got me started, man. <laughs> I guess Pop was corny, man, because he couldn't even touch a ball. Mm. What is his thing? 
Did you ever? Did you ever? You ever, you ever rap with Tupac? I know you guys had a cipher. I did. Yeah, 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 I rap. I did. I did. I had fun rapping with Tupac. You mean rap like talk or actually emceeing? I'm talking about. I know you. You got your start as a. You was a rapper before. Like, did yeah, you yeah, and Tupac yeah. ever, ever, ever get busy? I yeah. know. I actually, I, I know that you did. You talked about it before. What was that like rapping with Pac? I mean, at the time, you know, when I think back now, it's like legendary and all that because it, it was Tupac. But at the time, you know, I'm I'm competitive too. Like, I just, I just was kind of like, I just need to be dope. You know, I, I just. I just wanted to be dope in front of another rapper. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I'm friends with most Def. I'm friends with a lot of MCs. Mm-hmm. And they know me as, a, like, they know I'm MC talented, in, like, in that way. But at the time with Tupac, I just remember feeling like we were in a cypher, you dig? Because this was mm-hmm. the 90s in um, New York. They were still doing cyphers outside. So it was a cypher around where we were, where we were filming. So some other cats was in the cypher. So all of a sudden, Pac was in the cypher. So I got in the I got in the cipher. And uh for those who don't know what a cipher is, because I don't even know if they talk like that no more, but basically a <laughs> cipher like a circle of MCs, you know what I'm saying? And spitting. Yeah. Un- unsigned, unsigned people, and it's just an acapella way of letting you know you that you that, like you rhyme or whatever. So that was what that was like. It was it was it wasn't really no big deal like that. We just MC'd up together in a cipher in New York, which was kind of dope if you think about it. Yeah. That's amazing. The fuck? Yeah. It is. Yeah. Uh, you do do music. You have you have new music that you're working on. Or I do have new music. I'm, I'm, I have a lot of stuff going on that this year is going to be real fun to see how it does. You know, mm-hmm. I, I um with music, I'm just um I'm in my imagination. So to me, you know, hip hop, for instance, can be like the blues, and mm-hmm. meaning you see in the talent age with the art form in a sense. So you know, Jay Z can still drop an album, unlike a pop star can, you know, uh, yeah. uh, uh, Eminem, they're all in their forties and fifties and mm-hmm. they still are prominent, which is kind of like, it's making it like the blues. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a hybrid of the blues because blues musicians are young and old. You know, you could come in and be young and turn to BB King and still, and still have fans, you know? So luckily for the art form of hip hop, um, because the young shit, I mean, I, I ain't crazy about a lot of the new stuff, you know, because it's just too, um, it's too negative for me. I was going to ask you that. Being from Chicago, what's your opinion uh, of drill music? It's dark, bro. It's too dark for the kid. You heard like, that shit too dark for me. Hey, listen, you can always find something you like in these songs. That's the danger of it. Like, oh, I like the beat or the way the dude flowing. I don't even know what he's saying, but the flow is cool and, the rhythm gets you right, but that negativity is so powerful, Van. I can't really fuck with it, dog. Like, I try hard too, cause I just can't get down with it, man. They talking about killing everybody. They scaring the shit out of grandma, bro. Ain't nobody in the hood no more. When I was, it wasn't the hood growing up. It still was a neighborhood. Mm. I mean, it was a bad neighborhood, but then it just became the hood, cause the neighbors don't really correspond at all. So it's not a neighborhood. It's just a hood full of people, right? Why glorify that so much? I get it. We're going to have some of that. But why is it like a dominant theme? The theme of it is dominant. And I don't like that shit, bro. I, mm-hmm. I can't, you know, it's too much killing in the music. And who are they talking about killing? Us. Mm-hmm. It's all us against us in the music too much. Like, I can't fuck with that. And then it's a lot more female MCs, right? Okay, so Lauren Hill. 
Eve, whoever you, Missy Elliott, Queen Latifah, uh, MC Light. You can go all the way back and start talking about all kinds of females. Foxy Brown, look, okay. But now, it's like drugs, hoes, killing, take your man, fuck him, do this and that, blah, blah, blah. Man, it ain't no UNITY popping, I tell you that much. And mm-hmm. it ain't no, ain't no Lauren Hill popping in the female MCs. And it's a lot of them now. When before, it was a man's sport. Now it's more equal opportunity. But I hate the subject matters. Like, so, for me, it keeps me doing it. Because I can't listen to this shit. I'd rather listen to myself. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I can't listen to this shit, bro. I, it's too hardcore for me. Like, I guess, I don't know. I'll tell, I will tell you, it is a wave of young female MCs that's coming up that I really fuck with. You got the Flo Millies, you got the Rico Nassies, you got the the Rhapsodies, of course. But I think... No, yes, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, I think, I think whenever uh, hip-hop gets one note, whenever everybody's doing the same thing, it just gets kind of boring, bro. Like, I like I was telling... I've, I've been criticized for what I've said about <laughs> drill music on here. At some point... When they talk about really kidnapping people <laughs> and they really did the shit, yeah. I like, I'm like, I can't. I, it's hard for me. I'm an old nigga. I'm sorry. It's 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 hard for me. It's hard for me. It's hard for me. I'm so I feel you, Rach. What you got? Uh, okay. Here's my last question because I'm always curious to know this. You've had so many roles. Is there a role that you turned down mm. that you wish you hadn't? Um. Oh, I turn down. I wish I had. See, a lot of times, you know, if I if I don't get if I turn something down, I almost won't even engage with it after that. You know, that so makes sense. I won't regret it too much because. And also, I don't really watch myself all that. Much. I'm one of those guys. That does, yeah. I watch sports. I watch documentary stuff and sports. And I watch. Um, if someone said, "Yo, man, you gotta watch this," then I'll go watch it. But. I'm not one of them people that's, you know, let me see what's on, on, on TV or whatever. Or let me let me watch a movie right now. I like I don't watch a lot of movies. And um, so, I, you know, I, I don't really have um, uh, something I can say. I, now, there's things that I didn't do, like this movie Fallen with Denzel. Oh. Ended up with Gabriel, uh, I love that. Gabriel Cassius ended up doing that role. Mm-hmm. That's a role I wish I would have did that I didn't do. But I don't really regret it because... Um, you know, I ended up working with Denzel later anyway. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. uh, um, The Best Man. I wish Which I, role? I Which had role? an opportunity. Ooh. Well, it would have been a Terrence Howard role, but Terrence is perfect in that. I know Malcolm mm-hmm. Lee. I went to school with Malcolm Lee, right? So when best when the script of The Best Man was being um, developed, it was when he was in college still. So I was mm-hmm. privy to it early, early, early on and it had something to do with the influence of the... Uh, Terrence Howard character. Mm. But Terrence killed that, right? So yeah, it's great. I can't be mad at, like, yeah, so I don't regret not doing stuff that somebody else does and they did it really well, you know? Um, so I don't know. I don't really don't have a whole lot of that. I really something, don't. Something you said I'm curious about. You Do you not watch your own movies? I don't really watch. I mean, I've seen it at premieres, you know what I'm saying? Okay. So, but okay. after that, yeah. yeah, not not too much. Like, I'm not going to watch it, you know, a bunch of times and see it at the premiere. And plus, you got to understand, we do like ADR work, you know, so mm-hmm. that's audio digital recording. So we're going in there and, and I see so much of it, you know. So, uh, yeah, I probably won't see it, you know, see it for a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't have another question. I got, I'm, I'm going to pitch you on something real quick. 
Okay, okay. Okay. This is the pitch. This is the movie. Okay. It's called Avon's Home. <laughs> colon a wire story. It's different okay. though. Okay. I different. love it. Okay, okay, okay. So Avon's getting out. He had some time tacked on. He's coming back to the streets of Baltimore after years and years and years. I All love right? it. Everything is shriveled up. He's starting, he's starting new. He's trying to turn over a new leaf. He has to move in with Brianna. And he has to also live with D's son, who is now thugging on the streets of West Baltimore. <laughs> he's out there getting it and doing it. You get like a you get like a cold young actor, homie from Bel Air. Um, uh, Leon, uh, little Leon from from Snowfall. You get a cold young actor, twenty. What would he be? Be like twenty, twenty one, twenty two, something like that. He's just out there where he's seasoned and he's starting to have a couple corners to himself. Mm -hmm. Avon, Avon's parole officer. (laughs) I'm serious. We got to put a lot of thought into this. Wait a minute. This is real. Okay, keep going. Keep going. Oh, I'm not fucking around. Okay, (laughs) all right. No, this is a good idea. Keep going. No, Avon's Avon's parole officer is Bubbles, who sits. <laughs> Bubbles, you, listen, listen, listen. We could, we could change now that. Now you got me. Like, we, 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 bubble we head, got me the bobblehead shit right we, we, we could change that. We could change that. What I want right, to do, right, though, right, right. so th- this, this is the but point like of the movie. This, this, this is the point of the movie. Well, the, the point of the movie is, number one, and I say this all the time, we never got the end of Avon's story. We got a, a conversation between Avon and and Marlo, right? That ended up that ended up showing showing us that Avon's coming out of jail. There is still story left to me for the most beloved character in the history of that show, which is Avon Barksdale. But what what would be fucking fly is if you took everything that we knew about Avon and turned it on his head. Avon was untouchable. He was incredibly sure of himself. Even being in the jail, he was unflappable. Put him in a That's situation true. where he kind of kind of got to get his shit back a little bit, where he living with his sister. I like that. I, but, real you, talk, man. I'm saying, like, put him in a situation where he living with his sister now. They got beef because of the D'Angelo thing. Then he got D'Angelo's son that's there, who all grown up who's kind of like Avon is at this point, going through the same shit. He's hoping his dad comes home and gives him game. He's looking forward to his dad. He's looking forward to his uncle coming home to give him game on how he could get get ahead in the streets. But Avon kind of don't want to do that. But he got to kind of tell him a couple of little things in order, I'm telling you. Save his life. To save his life. Because he's in a couple of, he gets in a couple of situations and Avon, who still got the name still ring out, still got a little juice. You can check back in on everybody. I'm telling you. It you can check back in on throughout the movie, all the characters that are left. I love could, that. You could you could kind of check back in on we don't have to have the parole officer be bubbles, whatever. That was stupid. Like we could you can check back in on everyone. I'm telling you, bro. I'm telling you. That no man, you're a real talk. You on to something. Because if you think about it. They do make these movies out of these uh, former HBO series. They right? do it all the time. They, mm-hmm. bruh, not they, only with but, the HBO but, series, they did it with the HBO series. 
They did it with Breaking Bad. Why mm-hmm. wouldn't they do it with The Wire when there's still a character out there, the most important character? Avon could be struggling with Stringer's death. We could bring in uh, Idris in a couple of flashback scenes. Y'all niggas still like look that. young. I'm serious. I'm serious. I like that. No, real talk though, Van. I thought you was halfway bullshit, but nah. <laughs> that's, really, that's real good ideas though, for real, bro. Like, Bruh. Yeah, David Simon, um, that's a good ideas, bro. I'm going to have to, uh, Bruh. Well, that's great ideas for real. Shout out to my homies, Trey Chaney, uh, what, like uh, like uh, the the whole I'm cool with all the wires with with the, with the whole wire the whole team right the whole clique shout out uh, Mac Wiles all of them uh, we you could in 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 a way you don't have to spend a lot of time you could check up on all of them a little bit just That'd a be little awesome, bit though. that'd be so crazy that's an awesome ass thing and they all doing different shit now they all, all doing different shit they all grown up some of them might have been gone I mean obviously some characters died whatever, whatever. You could check in on all of them just a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Fucking, um, Carve might be the, Carve might be the chief of police by now. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Carve might be the chief. That's a great idea, though. It really is. I've even thought about it before because I was like, oh, man, how could they approach the wire and it makes sense, like, to have it reinvigorated and, Mm -hmm. um, you That's still, a really good idea, you bro. still got. My point is, you still got Avon, and it's crazy because most shows. Last thing I'll say, most m- most shows that are like that, they get Walter White dies, uh, like Tony Soprano. We don't know what happened, but unfortunately, That's we true. lost James Gandolfini. So rest in peace, That's to true. James Gandolfini. So you know, most shows that that type of protagonist, that character, they end his story in some way. Avon's story. Never ended, bro. Marlo's still out there. Mm-hmm. That's true. You know Ain't saying? no reason not to do that, bro. I, I don't think That's so. Great. They talk, yeah. Like talk, talk, talk to. I I don't think there's no reason not to do it. I'm gonna put it um, out there. I'll put it out put there it for out, sure. Put I'm it out with there. everybody. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's great, 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 great. Well okay. done, my friend. I'm going to have to have him call you up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, have him call me. My couple, we want to ask him. Yeah, like, 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 have him call me. You guys, that was legitimate. Legitimately, one of my favorite actors in the world. He stars in Creed 3, Wood Harris. Creed 3 opens today. You guys can go see it. Um, let's get them numbers way, way up there. The movie has a 90% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. I have seen it. It is a it's great so movie. Yeah. Bro, we have to we have to have you back, Will. We have to have you back whenever you got some time. Yeah, bro. I, you know what? Got some couple things coming up, and I'm coming back. Shooting stars with LeBron, another movie, um, sports movie type thing. It's a very, very, very great movie. Then I have uh, another project, Lady in the Lake, with Natalie Portman, and oh wow, I got to get back on here. Yeah, yeah man, yeah, come back for sure. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna I'll get busy on that. Later. I'm gonna get busy on that treatment. I'm gonna email you. Let's make that happen. I think HBO. <laughs> I love could do that, that for real, bro. No kidding. All right, All right. bro. All right, man. Peace. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed. 
my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Okay, a lot of stuff. Uh, this is great. This is fantastic. So good. Exactly how, I, have you ever met him before? Yes. Okay, I was like, y'all seem very friendly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very friendly, but it's exactly how I would imagine him to be. He's amazing. Great mm-hmm. guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, football. Remember the Titans we talked about. It. Speaking of football, some not so great news out of Georgia. Jalen Carter, um, who is the number one overall prospect in this year's NFL draft. And that does, does not mean he's going to go number one. Right. Uh, because they're probably going to draft quarterback number one. But he, according to Mel Kuyper and others, is the single best player in this entire draft. He is a terror. I mean, not on the football field in light of what's going on right now. Maybe that's not the right word to use. But um, I watch SEC football. I watch what he did to LSU. He is the real deal. A prototypical tackle that you want to suffocate run the run and create enough disruption to where guys on the end are able to get to quarterbacks. He's eating up those double teams. He's getting guys off the line. And he's going to get to the quarterback a couple of times himself. Uh, his career is in a lot of peril right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, two members of the Georgia family, Chandler LaCroix and Devin Willock were killed um, six days after the national championship game in a car accident. And when the news came out, it was just a gut punch to the entire college football community. Uh, one of them, I believe, was a player, and the other of them, I believe, was a recruiting staffer. Right. Um, so we're talking about really young people, mm-hmm. uh, which is always sad. Um, yeah. And in terms of this, after the team having won their second consecutive national championship, they've been on top of the world, which is a gut punch to, to a lot of people, not just the Georgia family, but... Anybody who cares about people, anybody who, who watches SEC football. Well, it appears now that there was a little bit more to the story. Jalen Carter, the aforementioned defensive tackle that we just talked about, his future, um, has been booked on misdemeanor charges of reckless driving and racing. He turned himself in to the athens Clark County Police Department at 11.33 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday. Posted bond a little bit later. Uh, they have been in their arrest warrant uh, uh, issued a little bit before that. 
And um, now there are questions. He, Jalen Carter, returned to the NFL Combine, which is going on right now. Returned to the NFL Combine. And he's going to go through the measurements. He's going to go through the interviews. Um, and it, it, it looks like uh, he's going to uh, attempt to tell his side of the story, not only to NFL staff, but to uh, the society at large. Police initially thought that this crash, crash was a single car accident. It was just caused by speeding. Now it, they are saying that they were racing. Um, there's a lot of talk out of Georgia about what could be going on here. Uh, there's a lot of talk about what some people's blood what alcohol. Do you mean? Oh, there's yeah. some people that believe that that there was drinking involved. Have you have you well, heard she, that? Well, no. Well, well, Chandler, I believe they did test her blood alcohol, and she was intoxicated. Right. Um, and she was driving. It is also my understanding that there were two other people in that car mm-hmm. who suffered injuries, but they weren't fatal. Don, correct me if I'm wrong on that. So there were people who were there to tell the story outside of uh, Jalen. So uh, Chandler LaCroix, who had a blood alcohol concentration of 1.197. That's more than double the legal limit. Uh, This is what was said. The evidence demonstrated that both vehicles switched between lanes, drove in the center turn lane, drove in opposite lanes of travel, overtook over motorists, and drove at high rates of speed in an apparent attempt to outdistance each other. Evidence indicated that shortly before the crash, the expedition, which is one of the cars, um, was traveling at about 104 Jeez. miles per hour. That is the car that uh, that held the two people, the two kids that died. Uh, Carter was driving a 2021 Jeep Cherokee Trackhawk with a Hellcat V8 motor. A vehicle that he received as part of an NIL deal with an Ohio luxury car dealership. I do not want you guys to forget that aspect of this case. The NIL? I'll, I'll tell you why. There are opponents of NIL out there. Opponents of NIL, opponents of people who don't, uh, of players being able to get paid for their name, image, and likenesses. And one of the clear narratives, crystal clear narratives that they use is that these kids can't handle all of this money. That's... Is that they're too young and that because of, of the influx of cash that they're going to make stupid, dumb mistakes like gambling, like buying dumb shit, or like crashing souped up cars that they might get from um, from dealerships. I, I, I understand that argument. I don't feel like I feel like that's not the place to apply it here because they were reckless driving, could have been driving any kind of car. And they, they clearly, there was, there was alcohol involved, at least in one situation that we know of. We don't know about the rest. And that is because Jalen left the scene and then told the police a different story. He first said that he had heard the crash from a nearby apartment complex, but then later told them that he had been driving as well in the situation. I'm not, I'm not sure if he said they were racist or not, but he definitely said he was there driving. Um, I don't think that that is fair to blame NIL 
or that is not, you weren't blaming, but to mention NIL in regards to this case, because they were rec- they were out driving. I don't think that has anything to do with the type of car that was received or the fact that he got a car in an NIL deal. That NIL deal didn't make him decide to, to reckless drive, allegedly, allegedly. Um, it didn't put, you know, a, a, we don't know if there was, if he was drinking or not, but it didn't put alcohol in his hand, possibly, allegedly, we don't know either. So I'm just saying, like, I don't think it's fair to use that in this situation. I think there's a direct line that you can draw to NIL and to uh, the tragedy that happened a few days after the national championship with this crash. These, these charges are misdemeanors. Are they? Uh, reckless, they are. Driving, reckless driving yeah. and racing on, yeah, highways and streets, yeah. So worst case scenario, even if he's found guilty on both charges, that's not going to be a huge deal, is it? I have no idea what the time is that's 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 put on these charges or if it's just money or, you know, I, I don't think it's it's a misdemeanor. So, you know, he could, uh, I don't think it's, it's that, I'm not going to say that the charge isn't serious. I'm just saying I don't think it has serious time. It's a misdemeanor. If he lied to the cops and it seems as if some people involved here weren't incredibly forthright with the cops, is there a possible obstruction case that could you could be. levy? Could be. It depends what his involvement really was. He, you know, he's put out a statement saying that the truth is going to come out. You mm. know, we don't know, but we do know there were other people there that were injured that yeah. can speak to it. So, you know, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to hear what comes out of this. Obviously, this is a tragedy. And whether he was involved in the way that people are assuming or not, he lost he lost friends. This is something that's gonna, that he's going to have to live with. Um, a, a quick decision ended up in a... Uh, two people losing their lives. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's it's a loss all around. Uh, but it is interesting also to talk about because the combine is starting and he was supposed to work out. He's not. But despite all that's happening, he's still doing interviews. Teams doing are interviews still considering him. Yeah. He could still be drafted. No, he will still be drafted. And he will still be drafted. Maybe not, maybe not as high. Oh, no. No, 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 no. If this is okay. a misdemeanor charge, it... If, some, if if these are misdemeanor charges, if if this is not a felony, if he doesn't have a negligent homicide, manslaughter, slaughter, vehicular homicide, whatever, if there's no felony obstruction, yeah, I right. personally don't believe that this will affect you. his dra- draft stock at all if these are two misdemeanor you. charges. I believe you. Um, and listen, be- oh, go ahead. We shouldn't jump to conclusions either. We really don't, we know, don't know what, what happened. Yeah. happened. And he's saying that what we're assuming is not the case. And so we just have to let it play out. But, you know, meanwhile, he's uh, doing interviews. While this is going on, Ja, Ja Morant. Look, what is Ja Morant is accused of, of repeatedly punching a teenage boy in his head and threatening him with a gun. This happened four days after another incident uh, where Morant allegedly threatened the head of a security guard, threatened the head of security at a Memphis mall. Both allegations are emerging about a month after. I don't know if you guys remember, but John Morant was allegedly riding around with some friends and they pointed a red pointer at the Pacer staffer's red laser. The 17-year-old boy reportedly told uh, ja, told police that John Morant, who's 23, 
punched him 12 or 13 times during a pickup basketball game at John's house. He claimed that Morant and a friend hit him so hard that it left a large knot on his head, which police observed himself. Uh, we're getting to this point where it's hard to know what to believe about Ja. Ja says that he was acting in self-defense and he swung first, but he thought that the boy was the aggressor because he threw a ball at Ja's head. Now, look, if that happened, if you throw the basketball at me and then you get near me, I'm going to swing on you. Uh, 10, 10, 10 out of 10. 12 to 13 times? Because that's what the victim is alleging. Well, I mean, once I'm swinging, we, once, I'm, once I'm swinging, I'm swinging. Okay. I'm, I'm assuming... I'm assuming that he was swinging too, or maybe he wasn't. If you don't swing back, I'm like, ah, ow, ooh, get you right, and then get you off me. But if you throw the basketball at my head, that's a punch in my world. I agree. She said a punch. Look, uh, local prosecutors reportedly reviewed the case and declined to file charges. Um, Shelby County District Attorney spokesperson, they have a lot of other more important problems to deal with right now, said that they decided there wasn't enough uh, evidence to proceed with the case. Now you have this with the threat to his security. He did this. We're getting to a point with John Morant. And I don't know if we're there yet. But we're getting to a point with John Morant where it might be OG status time. It might be time for somebody to yank his little ass up and let him know what's going on. Because even if this issue is overblown, John Morant is far too young and has far too bright of a future to want to opt into the nigga shit. I got, I got news for you kids out there. The nigga shit don't work out. Yeah. I know y'all. They I know y'all like it. They tell y'all. They say, hey, what we doing today? Some nigga shit. And y'all go, fun. I want to do nigga shit too. But y'all don't pay attention to what happens to the niggas that do nigga shit. It's like, y'all only look at the fun part of it. All right? Uh, y'all only look at, hey, we, we, we spin the block. <laughs> hey, ops. Ops, ops, ops. Hey, could it also hey. be? What? Oh, are you done with your haze? Hey, no, hey, I'm hey, just saying. They, they, they look, they're, like, they're like, hey, ops, spin the block. Ooh, ooh, chop em. Ooh, ooh, chop em. Ooh, ooh, da 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 I got the heckler for you. Y'all don't pay attention to what happens. Like, Ja, love you. Love watching you. Ja, look at what's going on in Atlanta. And I get that that was very serious, real street beef that was happening. Mm -hmm. And it's different than some knucklehead basketball player that's dipping his toes into the street for fun. What What the fuck? Could it also be that a person that's like Ja and, and who's ever rolling in his crew believes that they're untouchable when you're young there's already that feeling of feeling invincible and like you got all the time in the world and you can do anything now you couple that with several million and being a public figure and the best player on your team 
arguably one, I don't know, a top 10 whatever player in the NBA right now. Look, yo, look. Feel, they feel they they can't yeah. see. I'm not arguing against you. I'm just right. saying they can't see the other side of it because there is this feeling of I'm invincible. That won't happen to me. I got too much status. I got too much money. I got too many people around me. It's just not, it's not going to happen. I'm not saying, I, I just feel like that's how, that's how they roll. I just, I got one, I just got one piece of advice for Cha. Cha, come to the corny side, bro. I, I, I'm serious, man. Come to the corny side. I got all of y'all, man, please come to the corny side. We don't got to worry about snitching. We don't got to worry about ops. We don't got to worry about spinning the block. We don't got to worry about Rico. <laughs> we don't got to worry about none of that. Come to the corny side. We just be chilling. We play sure. Madden. <laughs> you know what I mean? We go outside. I have a burner doodle. I walk him down the street. I say hi to my neighbors. I leave the house. No Glock in the tuck. No Glock. I leave the house without a Glock. No Glock in the tuck. I'm not, look, I come from a place where motherfuckers would have the Glock. But I'm not going to get money and then have the Glock. Now, come to the corny side. I'm telling you, it's okay. It's okay to leave your house without looking out the blinds mm -hmm. and seeing who out there. You know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Police roll up on me. What are you doing? Get out of my face. Do you know why? <laughs> no warrants. Ja, come to the corny side. I promise you. The water is cleaner. All right. Uh, we got to go quick. Mailbag. Let's go. Let's do mailbag. Mailbag time. Time to read your letters and then we'll reply to them. Oh, it's mailbag time. Write us with your queries and we'll chime in. All right. First up is a question from Kyle Fauche on Instagram. Kyle asks, what flavor of cheesecake did Van order at Ruth's Chris? No, enough. No. Now, if people were in your DMs about a Scott Adams, they were in my DMs about the disrespect of the cheesecake which I explained, okay? Maybe as a person who's not a lover of food, I don't always respect food in the best way. I understand that. But we got to let the cheesecake go. Go ahead and answer the question. We gonna it, was, put it, it was, it's just, they only got one type of cheesecake. They got the cheesecake on the graham cracker crust. And let me tell you, it's bussing. It's bussing. And you know what? I even thought more about the lamb chop situation. At least I didn't let the lamb chops go to waste. Yeah, I hate but you the lamb ate chops. them. You ate so, them. What if I was waiting for them? It didn't matter that you refrigerated them because you ate them. They were never mine. So it was up to you to do what you wanted to do with it. You ate them. The cheesecake, once you went home day. to the Apple Solos, it was not yours anymore. It was ours. And oh. what did we do with it? We let it go to waste. Mm -mm -mm. <laughs> Mm, mm, mm. What's the All next right. Question, next one is from Arendal Gromboy on Reddit. I'm gonna shorten this one because we're short on time. What is one question you would ask 
one of your favorite black icons in heaven? And, you know, I don't know, man. You know, it's like y'all come through. It's <laughs> like I probably like, well, I don't know. I really don't know. I'm not if I'm going to be real with you. Shout out to this question. I, I'm not going to want to talk about this shit. In heaven? in heaven, like if if we gotta talk about this in heaven, because you know there it's are. Be, wait, wait, wait. What if you're both not in heaven? What if you have like a a direct line to heaven right now? Like you're still oh, alive. We're and, here. Yes. They're in and heaven. Okay, calling? now right. it changes. Okay. Yes. I gotta talk to Michael. Mm-hmm. And I just gotta ask him. <laughs> I gotta ask him. So I can so I can continue to defend him down here. I need him to talk to me. No, nigga. You can't hold on for a second. First of all, like you gonna so so Michael's in heaven and you gonna ask Michael, you gonna do an interview. Because they gotta tell the truth. They gotta tell the whatever they say is this is this is the new world's face. Whatever they say, that's it. They're in heaven. Okay. So it is you gotta gotta take it for what it is. It's not like a Fox News situation. Yeah. I'm asking. Yeah, I, I, want, I, ask, I want to be able to defend Michael. I would ask Marvin Gaye, like, what does he do on Father's Day in heaven? Is it like, can you celebrate it? Or are you past that? You know? And you thought my question? See, this is a non-serious question. And y'all chose some very serious questions. I think that's a fair question. If you're Marvin Gaye and you're in heaven, like, what do you do on Father's Day? Is it all gravy? Or there that is, is no probably, Father's Day in heaven. Sure, there is. Why wouldn't there be? Did you think they don't celebrate fathers in heaven? I'm sure they do. I'm sure they well, have stuff. They know what's going on. It's not like I we think, lost our consciousness. I think because of the very question you just asked, it could mm. be a touchy subject. And heaven is we're, we're going to assume is you know. Is, is I wonder if they if they're cool now because I feel like that was just a bad day that things went whatever. Um. Oh, okay. Bad day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Last one. All right. Last one. Designer belt on Reddit asks if each finger you cut off would give your dogs a guaranteed five additional years of life. How many fingers would you give up? Two. Without hesitation. Yep. No on bullshit. each hand, or just just, just two fingers. Uh, I would take the. Uh, I, I can't remember, but there's one. There's that you one don't need? finger on each hand that you will be straight without. I think it's this one. I think either I would do that or I would do, maybe I would want, nah, I think I need my right hand. (laughs) So I'm going to do, I'm going to do, hey, you never know what's going to happen. I think I I might do pinky ring left hand because I can't really finish with this hand anyway. Not like I can't, like like I should be able to. I can finish a little bit with it. But if, if 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 that bought him 10 years, no question. Yeah. No question. I could do I could do two same on each side. I don't know if it's the pinky, but maybe it's the pointer. I could yeah. do it. I could do it. No, no question. No question. No question whatsoever. We love we love love our kids. Yeah, no question. Whatever. Yeah, no question. Uh is that it? What you got? There is an extra one. Okay, we can do it. Athena Z seventeen on Instagram asks if you could be in any aquatic creature. Which would you want to be? Now you know these animal ones are tough for me. Dolphin. Oh. Either a dolphin or a orca, but probably dolphin. I was, I was leaning towards whale, as well. Yeah, 
Well, it's no, just so it would I don't be know cool if it's to orca, be a whale. But I would be a whale, some type of whale. All right. That's it. That's we it. Out. We're out. Uh, I don't have an unexpected ally of the week. Everybody was on the fuck shit this week. Oh. Uh, mine is Rupert Murdoch. Makes all the sense in the world. Rupert Murdoch had to be honest in his deposition, but I'm not saying that he was a willing ally, but the fact that he basically uh, exposed the lie machine that his organization is and did it very cavalierly and was even willing to throw people under the bus. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> it said, take them too. Yeah. Take them too. That's the, that's the best part. He said, fuck all y'all. Um, exactly. Okay. That one is hard to top. Can't top it, but we'll add to it. Brian Cranston, if you didn't see him, he was on CNN on Chris Wallace's show where he was breaking down talking about MAGA and racism. And he did it in like a minute in just the best way. And, you know, we already love Brian Cranston, but just to hear him, uh, you know, talking this way makes us love him even more. So we did it. We both had unexpected allies of the week. Oh, and they were white. They were white. Whatever. (laughs) Whatever. Fuck you guys. Take the caps off, but do not stop learning. I'm Van Lathan Jr. I am Rachel and Lindsay. Everybody, have a corny day. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.